we can all breathe a sigh of relief. The UMass losing streak is finally over after they got a really gutsy 3-2 win on the road in Providence. We're going to recap this game for you right here. Let's go. everybody and welcome to episode 77 of high character umass went on the road to providence and came out with a gutsy three to two road win snaps the losing streak at six games uh and that one feels really good to get my name is cameron i'm joined by my good pal evan evan how you feeling man how else could i feel like what kind of question is that we won a game let's go dude like Episode 77, the Ray Bork episode, if you will, because he was a damn good defenseman. Um, feeling good. You know what I mean? That, that was a really, really tough, you know, kind of just a tough out type of win. Um, still didn't play perfect, admittedly. You know what I mean? Like in, in classic UMass fashion, we got outshot. You know what I mean? Pretty, pretty damn heavily, which you never like to see. But you, you don't have to win in every single category in order to win a game. As long as you win in the goal column, it's all that matters. So. I'll, I'll take it for tonight, but this this team still has some work to do to, to keep improving. Yeah, and uh, kind of seemed like the last couple of games, I, I know you mentioned it at one point. I'm not sure if it was on air or not, but uh, the team not playing well lately and the puck luck kind of not going their way. Uh, it definitely did go their way in this game. Uh, got some good bounces, and uh, Providence missed the net a couple times when it was wide open on some, some opportunities. So, um Good to get some bounces finally and really good to get a win. Um, and the team the team pulled it out in the end. Uh, Providence had their goalie pulled for over two minutes probably. Uh, the team locked in. Uh, a couple guys playing really hard to get the puck out and uh, prevent goals. So um, good to see that effort. Good to get a win. Um, and I guess going into this game, uh, we could jump right into it. A couple guys uh, back that we weren't totally positive we're going to be back. We didn't get updates at all. Uh, Reed Lebster, which uh, foreshadowing a little bit, ended up playing big role in this game. And Eric Faith, both coming back from injuries when we weren't fully expecting it. Uh, and it was really helpful in this game. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the crazy thing about following UMass hockey is like we rarely kind of get injury updates. I don't know if that's just like a thing like within the team, just like coaching wise, like they just don't want to really provide updates like that to keep opponents on their toes. But yeah, knew absolutely nothing about both Faith and uh, and Lebster. You know, it looked like Lebster's injury was kind of a nagging one. Like it was his knee again, which I think he sustained earlier in the year. And Faith literally was knocked out for like five minutes in the UConn series. So he could have been out indefinitely for all we knew. You know what I mean? I guess looking forward, it could have been like a, a shoulder thing or maybe even a head thing. Who knows? But yeah, it looked like a pretty nasty injury at the time. So good to see them both back. Um, and they both definitely contributed to this game's success overall. That was really, really nice to see. Yeah, they did. Um, and it paid off rather quickly into this game. Just five minutes in, UMass on the power play. Um, they look pretty good in Providence's zone. We see uh, a shot from Kenny Connors kind of near the sideboards. Reed Lebster's right in front of the net to uh, clean up the juicy rebound, uh, put UMass up one nothing pretty quickly. Nice to start off a road game like this for sure. Yeah, that's kind of been our new, like, power play, I guess, formation, if you will. Like, just kind of, that's kind of been our new look is it'll be Scotty Moore on the left side, kind of near the the left face off dot. Uff goal will kind of play the 
quote unquote quarterback position at the top of the top of the blue line. And then Kenny Connors will kind of be on the right face off that. And they kind of have this weird little triangle thing going on um, far away from the net. And the, the only kind of rotating or I guess changing piece of that lineup is usually the guy out in front of the net. And this time Lebster was kind of in that position because he came back from injury, which was really cool. And um, yeah, basically it was just Morrow to Ufko to Connors. Connor slaps it low, trying to get the rebound like on purpose near the near the goalie's pads. And Lebster was in a perfect position and reacted quick enough to to get it on net. I mean, really can't describe it any better than that. I mean, it was a really, really well-worked goal. You know, you can kind of tell that, you know, they were they were playing with a purpose on that one. You know, it was an intentional shot low to really create the rebound. And you could tell it wasn't one of those chances where they were just kind of throwing darts at the dartboard to see what happens. You know, like that that was the the play and the intent from the very beginning. So Really, really, you know, good to see. And, you know, it, it was good to see that we weren't really snatching at our chances. It was a really, you know, well-worked effort. Yeah, it certainly was in good passing there to make this game one Uh UMass didn't play phenomenally in this period. Uh, I think in the end they got outshot 13-7. But uh, Pavisic really kept a minute. He did for this whole game, so we'll talk about his performance a little bit more later. But uh, just a couple minutes left in this period. We see UMass enter Providence's zone. Uh, the puck kind of comes back to Lebster, who's um, bet- probably halfway between the blue line and the faceoff circle. Uh, so pretty far out from the net. Uh, he wrists one on, and uh, it scores. Kind of seemed like a um, a tough goal for Providence's goalie to give up in that spot, but um, really nice for Lebster. He gets his second of the game after coming back from injury. Uh, and the vibes were looking real phenomenal at this point. Yeah, this one I really don't know what to make of because, like, it looks like Cal Keefuke was just kind of, like, gliding into the zone. I can't tell if it was, like, a drop pass or, like, the two Providence guys that were around him just kind of knocked the puck back to Lebster. But, like you said, Lebster is kind of just there. It looked like there could have been a minor screen maybe by Keefuke there or maybe by one of the Providence D-men to, you know, stop Svedback from seeing it the whole way. And it was a decent enough shot. Like, I'm not going to knock Lebster's shooting ability because we know that he has, you know, a decent shot on him. But, like it didn't look like the most powerful shot. Like it was well-placed, you know, like top corner can't really ask for much more than that. But if, if you're a Providence fan, you're probably wishing that Spedback saved that. But obviously as a UMass fan, we're not going to complain about that. You know what I mean? Like there, there's no way in hell. So another, you know, it, that, that right there, this is a prime example of a goal in my opinion, where, you know, kind of like what you alluded to before, like what we were talking about, we didn't really get the puck luck in the past couple of games. There's a lot of 50, 50 games that, you know, maybe could have won our way. I feel like this is, you know, kind of the whole idea of karma kind of coming back our way. And we're, we're getting rewarded for, you know, maybe plays that should have gone our way in other games, but it's just kind of circling back around and helping us out. Now, this was a, a goal that maybe, you know, in some games you wouldn't have normally got, but it helped us out here, which is good. Yeah. And, and UMass keeps up that uh, luck, I guess you would say um, they go on a penalty kill after a admittedly pretty dumb penalty from Lucas Mercury uh, near the end of the first period. And uh, Providence is buzzing a little bit. Um, they have an entry, and then about 30 seconds later, they score. But Coach Carvel, uh, he's been used as his challenges pretty pretty liberally this season, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and he challenged for offside, and they looked at this one for a while. And it was literally just one frame of video that you could see the puck still on the blue line uh, with another skater skate. Uh, in fully in UMass's zone and they ended up calling the goal off. So the period ends two nothing UMass. Uh, what would have been a huge momentum swing to end the first period doesn't happen. And uh, yeah, just a, it turned out to be a great period for UMass. 
Yeah, we kind of got a little bit lucky there. I mean, I don't know. Like, looking at it originally, I thought it was a decent goal. Like, just thinking, like, okay, like, I my, my first guess was, why the hell are they even calling this back? You know, like, why, like, what are they yeah. reviewing? And then when I saw they were looking for offsides, I was like, wait a second, they might be onto something here. And then when I saw the replays, I was like, hold on a second, wait a minute. Like, they, they actually might be onto something here. And yeah, it was, it was pretty close. I'm kind of surprised that they called it back because I thought it was going to be one of those cases where like, it might've been too, it wasn't conclusive, quote unquote, like it just looked really, really tight, but they, they clearly, you know, I guess had enough evidence to overturn it. And again, just like the last time, like, I'm not going to complain about it. You know what I mean? As a UMass yeah. fan, we're going to take whatever we can get because we can definitely point to uh, previous games where we might've gotten screwed over a little bit. So to see it kind of swing back in our favor, I'm, I'm never going to be upset about that. So that was really cool. But um, yeah, it, it just, the goal itself kind of, kind of stung when I first looked at it, because I feel like it could have been a bit more preventable. It just seemed like we weren't really clearing out the front of the net. Granted, it's on a penalty kill, and again, the goal didn't count, so I'm not going to harp on it too much, but it's still, I mean, I feel like that might be a moment where, you know, the coaching staff might pull that back up on a, on a replay and show the guys at practice maybe later on this week and say, hey, we got to clean this up because, you know, if that guy's foot is literally three millimeters, you know, behind the line just a little bit more, they would have called that a good goal, and we'd be talking about this saying that's kind of a defensive breakdown there that we got to clean up, so... I still think, you know, we, we do have to clean that up a little bit just to make sure that we're going to be better going forward. But, you know, we got away with one on that one, which was good. Yeah, and they had the replay frozen on that one frame for a long time, and it was genuinely, like, as close as it can get. Yeah. I, I, too, thought they weren't going to overturn that one because uh, I personally thought it was inconclusive, but uh, maybe they saw a little something different. Uh, maybe they saw a little white between the skate and the blue line there. So yeah. uh, we'll definitely take it. Going to the locker room. With and the even then, I mean, they, they were still messing around with the clock for a solid five minutes after they mm -hmm. made the goal determination. I think they were trying to figure out what was going on with the clock for, for literally ever. Like, they were messing with the penalty clock. They were messing with the actual game clock. I think they changed the period number at one point. And I was like, how the <laughs> hell are you even managing that? Like, the yeah. clock people were not having a great night that night. So that was a little unfortunate. But it gave us a little bit of an extra breather, which, you know, you really can't complain about either way. So that was always great to see as well. It was uh, definitely feels good going in with a two nothing lead and not giving up that really late goal in the period uh, going to the second UMass was able to kill off the penalty, but just a couple minutes into the period, we see pretty nice entry from Providence and Brett Berard, he kind of skates to the, the top of that face off circle and absolutely rips one home uh, nips it to make it two to one uh, Providence kind of, kind of trying to stage a little comeback. They had a lot of pressure in the second. Yeah, I think in our preview episode, we kind of highlighted two guys that were going to be kind of difference makers for Providence, and it was going to be Parker Ford, which, spoiler alert, he's going to show up a little bit later on the score sheet. And the other guy was Brett Berard. Like, they're both really, really solid players. You don't really want to give him as much space as we ended up giving him when he was entering the zone. I don't really think that we kind of held Pavisic's case because it kind of seemed like we were maybe screening him a little bit. I mean, it was a decent enough shot that, you know, was well-placed and had a good amount of power behind it, but... I, I don't think Pav saw it the whole way through. I feel like if we tried to close down the shot a little bit better, we could have given Pav a better angle to save it. It is what it is. You know what I mean? It's a good play on a good zone entry. I mean, it's it's a tough look. I mean, I'm going to be of the opinion where I want my goalie to save everything, obviously. I'm, a, I'm kind of an a-hole when it comes to being a UMass <laughs> fan. I'm expecting, you know, really good things because I know what this team can accomplish. But obviously, you can't save them all. No goalie is going to be perfect. And, you know, it's unfortunate because – 
if we're going to, you know, if I'm going to be that guy to single out him on this play, I can look at about 10 other plays throughout this game where he kept us in the game. So for me to harp on this is kind of foolish. It's a tough one, but he he certainly made up for it in other areas of the game. So I'm not going to be that mad. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I didn't even think it was that bad a goal to give yeah. up, honestly. That was a wicked wrister of a it shot. Was good. So. It, was, it was a nice one. It was. Um, UMass kind of played on their heels a bit for the rest of the period. Uh, they ended up getting outshot again, 12 to eight, kind of story of the season right there. But they do take a lead into the locker room, go into the third, it's 2-1. Um, then again, a couple minutes into the third period, we see a really nice zone entry um, from the neutral zone from Providence. And like you mentioned, Ford, he skates in and uh, kind of just rips one home from the high slot. Another wicked wrister for him. They tie the game at two. I mean, we were getting dominated at this point. Like this, mm -hmm. what we were seeing out of this game was reminding me of which game was it? Was it the UConn game where we gave up? I mean, I'm trying to think of all the previous chokes that we've had this season. I know there's a, there's a bunch that we can talk about, but it's just another, I'm not even trying to make this a negative episode. But uh -huh. I'm just, the whole point that I'm trying to make is, is that our third periods have been horrendous. <laughs> And this, this right here, this goal against is an example of that. I'm pretty sure up until I think it was maybe halfway through the third period, I think we were getting outshot 11 to nothing. Like, you're never going to win a game if you're doing that. You know what I mean? Granted, we, we just did, so I'm going to kind of <laughs> eat my words on that one. But in 99% of cases, that's not a recipe for success. You know, we were getting outshot. We were getting absolutely worked in our own zone up until this point we're only five minutes into the period when this goal gets scored like it, it I don't want to sound like a downer but it seemed like a matter of time you know what I mean like Pavisic was just getting absolutely peppered with shots the whole time I mean he ended up you might want to correct me on the number but he had what 45 shots that he had to save this game correct like that's absolutely ridiculous I think the final numbers are 45 to 20 like come on now you know what I mean like I again this was kind of another one where it's like it was a little bit farther away it was just another really really good shot you know what I mean but you can kind of look at Pav right as it happened he looked pissed like he he was just like maybe you know he holds himself to a high standard high character guys tend to do that I said the buzzword guys start <laughs> clapping you know if you're listening to this episode but um yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's just another I, – I feel like when I when I was talking about previous games, I told myself I don't know how many more it is what it is I got left in me. <laughs> but I'm saying it right now, and I feel like I got a couple more because we at least got into the W column in this game. But, yeah, that was another, you know, unfortunate goal against. But, again, Pav did his thing throughout the rest of the game to make up for it. So, not going to be that upset on this one either. Yeah, for sure. And uh, something we haven't seen a ton from this UMass team this year, um, they, they – we, what we have seen a ton of is them getting outshot in the third, which they did. But uh, in this game, they bent, but they didn't break. Uh, they're able yeah. to keep it there for a little bit. And then eight minutes left in the game, we see Scott Morrow uh, kind of puck handling near the blue line at the point. Uh, wrists one in uh, just off net, but Cal Keefuke is there. Uh, he, he's able to tip it home for his first goal since the beginning of November, which also was uh, at Providence. And it ends up being the game-winning goal. So uh, beautiful tip from him. Great to see him score. Um, and couldn't have been more timely for UMass. Yeah, I mean, this was one of those tips where, like, I wasn't expecting anything off of this play. Like, I was kind of like I, – I felt almost zoned out just watching because it seemed like such an innocent play. You know what I mean? Like, there mm. was basically two guys in the offensive zone, both along the same side of the ice. and. Morrow just kind of floats it in it almost looked like he was just trying to get the puck in deep just to try and chase it again from the other side like just kind of put it off the back like the back edge of the boards and just have it pop out the other side for maybe somebody coming in off a line change or something like that but 
I don't know how the hell Cal did it, but he showed some sick hand-eye coordination and tapped it away, you know, just to get it in on net and it managed to manage to trickle in. Um, it kind of reminds me of a goal against that we had, I want to say maybe it was like a month ago. Um, I think it was in the the quick trip holiday face-off. I know we Ooh. haven't talked about that in a little while, but uh, I think it was during the Clarkson game, that dreaded Clarkson game. Like, that game there, was cursed. There was a puck that was going maybe 10 feet wide. And some guy just literally threw out his stick on Clarkson and then just tapped it in short side. It gave me the exact same vibes. Like it Dude. seemed like that puck had no business even going towards the net and Cal managed to pull that same type of magic off. And that was awesome because I think that was his first goal since November 4th. I think I saw online mm. at some point on Twitter. That's nuts. You know what I mean? It's been basically almost to the day, three months since he scored like I, I feel like Keyfuke's numbers this season have not been ideal, but he he came through in this game when it mattered and he got the game winning goal. So I can't be upset. I'm hoping that this is the beginning of kind of a resurgence for the seniors because for those of you keeping score at home right now, all three goals from UMass were scored by seniors. And we, I mean, at least me, but I feel like Cam to an extent as well, been kind of harping on the seniors to step it up a little bit. You know what I mean? It's really been the underclassmen that have been, you know, the big time offensive guys this season. So to see Webster and Keefe step back up and get the job done, really, really nice to see. Yeah, that really was nice to see. I was going to say something about that if you didn't. So, uh, yeah, really good to see the seniors step up there. Um, and, yeah, UMass took the lead with eight minutes to go. Uh, they really benched but didn't break as the rest of this game played out. Um, Providence pulled their goalie pretty early. It was like two and a half minutes left in the period. And from that point on, just absolutely peppering UMass. Um, the period ended with Providence having a 20 to five edge in shots on goal, which is nuts as it is, but, uh, UMass got gutsy dug deep. Um, they, they really, uh, kind of collapsed onto the goalie for this. Um, and, and Providence did have their chances, uh, on some rebounds. The puck was right there on the doorstep. They weren't able to put home, but UMass, um, does pull it out. Uh, they get the gutsy win on the road and, um, even though there were there are some things to definitely work on from this game really feels good to get back in the win column for the first time in like a month. Yeah. I mean, I feel like at this point, I don't even want the team to focus on how we played this game. I think the, the, the big focus is going to be like, Hey, we got the win. Let's have some confidence going forward. Like what's the classic thing? Like the monkeys off the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no more pressure. You're feeling good now, you know, I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want to highlight all the, you know, I feel like we already talked about the shots against. We know that. I think that's mm -hmm. already going to be a given. Pavisic is just going to have to do his thing, I guess. Like, there's really no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He He's going to be kind of the catalyst for this team going forward, as, as unfortunate as it is to say. You know what I mean? It's just defensively, we're simply just not really there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's going to be something that I think we'll talk about a little bit later. Um we'll talk about that when we get to the awards, but yeah, our defense has to certain members of the defense have to bear a lot of the, a lot of the pressure kind of going forward. And we, we really have to look on, you know, our, our big time playmakers to make big time plays. So we'll hopefully that works out for us going forward, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. And we're not going to talk about Pav in the awards. So I think we should talk a little bit about his performance here Definitely. right now. Uh, 43 saves for the last three games. Now, He's been absolutely electric, uh, phenomenal in net. Uh, and I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but 
if UMass wants to make any noise at all come postseason, uh, it would take two wins to get to the Garden uh, from where UMass is seating. And I don't know. I think I think Pav could steal that if he's feeling like he is right now. He looks incredible in that. It's just like I feel I feel bad for him honestly. This is gonna sound kind of mm-hmm. crazy, and I'm hoping this doesn't turn into another tangent. But like, he's been left off the Richter list like for best goalie of the collegiate season. He's, he was left off the Hobie Baker finalist, which, all right, that I can kind of, I can, you know, Hobie Baker, that's a pretty damn big award, and it's pretty hard for, mm-hmm. for a goalie to win that. So I'm not going to harp on that too much. Um, but the fact that he was left off the Richter finalist list, or, or just like the watch list or whatever they call it, like the top 30 goalies or whatever, that's kind of a travesty because I feel like if you if you watch him purely from the eye test, he's ridiculous. Like, and the fact that quite literally two weeks ago he was benched, for again i don't want to talk about henry graham too much but like the third string walk on like what the heck you know what i mean like that that's kind of the problem with pavisic is like i feel like in general he's a ridiculously good goalie that has just had a couple of blips this season that just have kind of marred his overall season you know what i mean like i feel like he's so much better than what we've given him credit for i'm trying not to let like my my recency bias get the best of me here but i mean just from the past couple of games alone, he's been absolutely insane. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but oh, I got had, him when you're ready. Uh, if you have the like the past three games, hit me. Oh, not it. that. That's what uh, I'm. That's what I'm curious about. I'm wondering just this electric run that he's had because I know for a fact he's faced at least 35 shots a game, right? At the bare minimum, I'm pretty sure. Um, I want to say he faced like 30 something against Lowell, and he only let in one goal. He, I think he faced 44 or 45 off the top of my head against UConn in the 3-1 game. And then he just faced, what, 45 here, and he let in only two goals. That's probably like a, a what, a 940 save percentage and like a two goals against average off of like I'm, 120 shots. Like I'm the, racing to do the math. Yeah, um, that's what kind of why I'm trying to fill the space right now. I don't, I don't need you to have to make any sort of cuts in the, in the post, so you're trying to make your life a little bit easier <laughs> yeah. here, but – yeah, no, he, he's been on an absolute tear recently. And quite frankly, it's kind of just based off the fact that really the team in front of him hasn't been amazing, at least, you know, honestly, offensively and defensively. Like defensively, we haven't really been helping him out too much because we're giving up so many shots against. And offensively, we haven't been helping him out either because I guess today we got him the three goals, which we we mentioned in the pregame episode, in, in the preview, that – Providence gives up three goals every single game for the past, like what, six or seven games now. Now it's seven. Yeah. That it'll now be seven. So that's huge. Big time prediction there and pattern <laughs> recognition skills. I'm patting myself on the back for that one. But regardless of that, the two games beforehand, we got shut out and we scored one. So he's been getting almost no goal support and quite frankly, not a lot of defensive support either. If he's having to make all these saves every game. So if, if we're going to be naming, you know, a star of the season, even though Pav hasn't even been starting every single game because Henry Graham now has, I think what two or three starts in at least a couple of relief appearances. And the artist formerly known as Cole Brady, who I don't know, he might be back in Arizona at this point, who knows, but he's just a complete afterthought in the eyes of the coaching staff. So it is what it is. Yeah. I got, I got some numbers ready. What do we got in his last three games? Pav is, uh, he's faced 124 shots and he saved 118 of them, which is good for a 952 save percentage. 
all right i'm gonna i'm just gonna again pat myself on the back i'm not trying to make this the let's all pat evan on the back here but i'm pretty sure the numbers that i threw up just off the top of my head were insanely close to that <laughs> so I'm, I'm giving myself a bit of credit there i thought that was cool but thank you for pulling that up i'm feeling like joe rogan right now and you're like that hey jamie can you pull it up on the screen real quick <laughs> like completely the same vibes but uh yeah, I mean, Pab's just been that dude. I don't know if you got anything extra to say or if I've just completely I mean, hogged up all the mic time as I do as usual. I mean, his his numbers speak for themselves. I mean, he's, yeah. he doesn't get enough credit. He's got a 929 save percentage on the season now after that game. Like, that's, that's up there with the elite. Like, 929? Are you kidding me? He's, I mean, he has 2.5 goals per game, but that's largely due to the fact that the team gives up 40 shots per game. I think it, we're honestly close to that number at this point right now. So, yeah, like – Part of me thinks that there should be like, like when it comes to like awards and stuff like that, I feel like the list should be fluid. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of unfortunate that if, you know, cause Pav had a very solid start to the year as the entire team did. And then he slumped with the rest of the team. And I'm pretty sure right in the middle of that slump when we were on that big losing streak and he was given up like, you know, five goals a game or whatever it was. Cause we were just getting destroyed by really good teams that was when those lists came out for all those, you know, like yeah. the Hobie Baker and Richter and all that stuff. And we had absolutely no guys nominated for those lists. Now that, you know, at the bare minimum, Pavisic has been standing on his head and doing his thing. I feel like there should be some sort of like, I don't know, like leniency for the list to say like, you know, maybe those guys, you know, cause there had to have been some guys that were put on that list originally that had a really good start to the season. And now they're garbage. I feel like guys that have picked up their play over the course of the season, like Pavisic, should be able to take those spots and potentially get a look for the rest of the season for those awards going forward. I feel like mm-hmm. that's super unfortunate that just because at one point of the season he wasn't playing that well, that just completely ruins his hopes of getting any sort of awards later on because, I don't know, I just feel like he, he, he should be at least at the bare minimum in the running with this player right now. Right. It's kind of like the pros in every sport uh, besides football, really, where they name an all-star team halfway through the season when you don't even know if they're like full season of work is going to be all-star worthy. So exactly. Uh, And yeah, it's also, I compared it to a situation in my head, like a, uh, like a starting pitcher in baseball that gets no run support. Yeah, He's not going to have the wins down the line, but like, he's still a phenomenal pitcher. Man's ERA is like a 2.3. And it's like, if you're only getting one, one run a game from your team, it's like, what the hell's the point? You could be literally the goat pitcher and it's going to mean nothing. Like it's, I'm not saying that patch the goat yet. All right. We can wait on that, on that, you know, prediction, but who knows if he keeps playing like this and you know, we, we start playing better around him. He can make some noise. I mean, yeah. I feel like I said this after the UConn game where we looked really good and we didn't get the win. So I'm not going to get my hopes up too much yet, but this, this, this is another building block. You know what I mean? If we play like this, maybe a little bit better than this, ideally, but we start chaining some wins together. We'll be looking good. But I think like, it's a I mean, time. Yeah. Like, like I said, it, it takes two wins to get to the garden from where UMass yeah. is. Pav can, Pav can steal those. if uh, he, He's proven that for sure. So yeah, let's, let's jump to our awards. Um, we talked a lot about Pav. He won the CCC in the last episode, so we're going to try to shoot for somebody different here. Um, and the CCC this time, Carvel's com- uh, um, character, character and compete. compete award. I know I, I could tell you were stuttering there. I wanted to help you out. Thank you. The Carvel's character and compete award is going to Reed Lebster. Uh, he's back from injury after missing a couple games. Um, the announcers were kind of giving it to him a little bit before he scored, saying how he's got to step up and kind of 
show his worth to the team. And he did that in the, in the first period, he got two goals in this game, looked really good. And it was just nice to have him back on the ice. I mean, are we the announcers? Cause I feel like we were doing the exact same thing up until this point, we were yeah. calling for the seniors to get better. So, I mean, can't even just put it on the announcers. I mean, I don't know how much the players listen to this stuff or just hear the general noise on social media, but I mean, we've been clamoring for, for goal support from the seniors and it came this game. You know what I mean? Like even, you know, like Webster was killing it this game. You know what I mean? He just looked like he was in the right places at the right times. And I feel like that's happened a lot with this team is that we get the chances and we look like we're in the right positions, but we just can't seem to swipe the puck on net. You know what I mean? Like, just the puck will not will not get in the back of that net. And he made it happen tonight. You know, it's simple as that. He was just right place, right time, right stick positioning, making the right moves, and he gets rewarded for it. So I'm hoping that that sort of momentum can continue on because we all know Lebster's a good player. You know, we've seen him the last three years, you know, three and a half years at UMass. He's, he's had some electric moments, and this is going to be one of those games. I think this was his third multi-goal game at UMass. Um, don't ask me what the other two were. I don't remember. I saw the stat <laughs> randomly during the game. But, yeah, I think, you know, he can string together a couple more of those if he gets his confidence back. And I think this is going to be huge for his confidence because it's not like he was playing bad. It's just he wasn't getting rewarded for it. And he did tonight, which is good. Yeah, he did. And uh, shout out Greg Lebster for just retweeting our tweet. Let's so. go. you love to see that. I got I got a couple of likes and retweets from a – I think, it was, I think it was Keith Fuchs' mom on Twitter, which is very <laughs> cool because I was talking about Keith Fuchs' uh, game winner there. So we're getting some parent support. We're feeling good tonight. Everything's going our way. So long may it last. <laughs> and a really rough time for us to have to transition to the good try award. Ah. <laughs> but we got to do it. Um, it was kind of want to use this to have a more broad conversation yeah. about the state of the team right now. Um, we're giving it to two guys for tonight. Um, Kennedy O'Connor and Noah Ellis, they were the third D pairing. Um, they looked kind of rough in the, in the first half of this game, um, kind of losing some pucks, pucks bouncing over their stick. No big deal. I mean, I, I think they were, they both were zeros in the plus minus. So it didn't mm-hmm. like cost any goals or anything like that, but, um, they didn't play at all in the third period. So, uh, Carville just running with two D D pairs. I mean, we had talked about how many minutes Upco and Morrow were getting this season. He said, screw it, gave them both like 33 in this game, <laughs> minutes apiece. So uh, the D, the defensive depth is not there. Um, and when guys like Noah Ellis and Kennedy O'Connor aren't, aren't playing great, um, it's not helping the situation. But uh, I guess UMass didn't quite need it tonight. They still got the job done. Yeah, but I mean, I think it definitely, and like I said, we don't want to harp on them too much, and we kind of want to make this a broader topic of conversation, but like, it just goes to show you, like, like you kind of said, like the depth just isn't there, and it's a whole case of like, kind of the whole tirade that I went on in the in the preview episode of just like, we don't have guys that the coaching staff trusts, you know, like on the defensive end, it's, you know, basically none of the freshmen have been really electric this season on the defensive end. Like we've had some very, very good freshmen on the offensive end that have been doing their job, but defensively, I mean, who's our, who are our freshman defense? We've got Owen Murray, who I'm not, he didn't even play tonight. So I don't want to talk about him too much, but he's mm-hmm. like a minus 11 on the season. Like that, that's a tough look, you know, same thing with O'Connor and same thing with Ellis. Like they haven't looked great. You know, I feel like they've gotten slightly better as the season's gone on, which you would hope because, you know, they're gaining experience and they're getting better slowly. But see, with like Mikey Adamson, you know, like he had, I think, a goal in his first game and then not too much since then, you know, like it's just 
I don't know. It just anybody that's an upperclassman on this defensive front has been at the bare minimum, you know, pulling their weight for the most part. I feel like there hasn't been too many mistakes from the upperclassmen. And it gets to the it gets to the point where even if there are mistakes, I'm kind of starting to give them the pass because they've been having to, you know, shoulder so much of the weight. Like we were talking, you know, like me and you were talking about kind of the whole conditioning thing and like how this team kind of falls apart in the third period. I'm starting to wonder if that's just because we're playing our top guys so much that just, you know, if, if we don't want to put in our, you know, our lower lines to try and at least eat up a couple of minutes to give the team a rest. It's like, if we can't trust them to do that, we're basically playing, you know, with half a team at this point, if there's only a half, you know, half a team that we could trust out there. So I don't know. It's starting to scare me. I'm hoping that it'll fix itself as time goes on, as the players kind of improve and get better. But right now it's a little dire, you know, that that's a little concerning when your bottom D pair is only playing half the game. Yeah. It's, it's not a great look. Um, not sure what the solution is. I mean, coach Carvel seems to think the solution is having Ufko and Morrow play 33 minutes in a game, uh, which we thought 26 minutes was insane. So um, we hope down the stretch that doesn't have too much of a negative impact. I guess, I guess he, is more inclined to do that when you only have one game on the weekend. I think that kind of makes yeah, sense. That's, yeah. That's not as bad, but like, it's starting to get to the point where it's like, if, if, if we as a college hockey program are trying to develop players to, you know, reach that next level and play professionally and play well for the teams that they're drafted to. I mean, if we're, if we're playing them 30 plus minutes a night, they're not going to have a professional career because their knees <laughs> are going to be junk by the time they try and make the NHL. It's like, I feel like there needs to be a balance of, I guess like I'm not trying to bring in too many basketball terms, but like load management, I guess, like I just think there needs to be just a smarter rotation of kind of keeping guys fresh out there. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, I I get at the end of the game, you want to play your best guys, but you know, 33 minutes into the game, you still have a period and a half left to play. You know that like, if you want to cut that roster shorter, maybe in the last five minutes and play your best guys out there in the last five minutes, I remember seeing shifts of Bobby Trevino playing out there for three, four minutes on a shift. Like, you know, that guy was a freaking animal, but like, he didn't get tired. Exactly. Like that, that, that makes sense. Cause he was known to have iron lungs. Like that was yeah. his thing. But like, I feel like, you know, if you're playing with five minutes left in the second period and you're cutting your team down to basically half its size, you know, running two forward lines, two defenseman lines, you still got a whole nother period left to play. And it kind of showed a little bit because it seemed like we were slowly playing worse and worse as that third period went mm-hmm. on. So I don't know what the solution is per se. It might just be like, you know, Hey, we got to suck it up. And if we have a less than stellar third defensive pair, then so be it, you know, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just a tough look. Simple as that. Yeah. It's it's not great. Uh, Definitely don't expect to see that big of a load for Moro and Ufko against Vermont because it'll be back-to-back nights, but definitely notable for this game for sure. Certainly. All right, now let's take it over to our custom awards. You were uh, all over Twitter with uh, with yours. What what do you got for us? You can say that again. So for the second time in Ryan Loudenbach's UMass career, I'm giving him the, yeah, I'm fine, haha, just a little bit tired, that's all, award, <laughs> which basically is in reference to a picture that I posted. I think it was last year. Um, I don't remember what game it happened, and I want to say it was like a Merrimack game maybe. I don't remember exactly, but there was a game at Mullins. Basically, we were winning by one goal. I think we took the puck up the ice with like the last like 30 seconds left in the game. And we just held it in the zone. And 
Lautenbach just cuts right into the corner, basically, of the offensive zone and just says, I'm holding this puck for the next 30 seconds single-handedly. Like, didn't care. No one's taking this puck off me. I'm going to be the one to ice this game and make sure that, you know, we don't get scored on. And that was basically what happened here in the defensive zone. Like, he went out there, basically held the puck in the corner for a solid maybe 10, 15 seconds. The puck squirted out. This dude's basically on his butt trying to swipe the puck away. I'm pretty sure Eric Faith at one point got into it too. Fair play to Eric Faith. It's not The word's not for him, but I got to give him the shout out anyway because very solid effort out of him. But yeah, I mean, he's probably my favorite player on the team right now. Simple as that. You know what I mean? Like he just gives 120%. I said 110% last episode. He's going up 10% every episode. <laughs> I'm expecting by the playoffs he'll be at 200%. Like he just gives that much every shift and – he's awesome. You know what I mean? Just, he never gives up on the play active stick everywhere. He's swiping away at it. He was even blocking shots at the end of the game. I'm pretty sure when he was trying to swipe the puck away, he missed it and just said, screw it. I'm putting my body there instead. Like he will do whatever the hell it takes to get the puck out of the zone and ice the game. So I respect the hell out of it. It's, you know, he's just a really, really good player. You know, like if, if you have like a kid, that's like, you know, like if, if your son or daughter's playing hockey right now and they're playing like peewee hockey, show them a UMass game and say, hey, play like that guy. You see number 14 mm-hmm. out there, do that. All right. Cause that is what's going to instill good work ethic, you know, good, good, just kind of overall work rate. It's just a thing of beauty, you know, and especially in a game like this where it leads to a W, I feel like you get so much more recognition for it. And it's just a, a thing of beauty, in my opinion. So that's why I'm giving them the, yeah, I'm fine. Haha. Just a bit tired. That's all. And, for the people that can't see the picture, it's like a stick figure who's like basically on the floor dying and with like blood coming out of his mouth because he's just so tired, but he doesn't yeah. want to show it. Yeah, he is so fun to watch. I, I honestly thought he could have cleared the puck with he 10, 10 to 15 seconds left, but the guy's an absolute grinder. He just puts it against the board and takes the beating to, to ice the game. So fair play to him. Uh, he's always fun to watch. He never lets off the gas and I love it. Awesome stuff. All right. The award that I'm going to give out is another guy uh, that showed a lot of grit in that last uh, that last effort from Providence there. My award is going to be called the Psych Award, um, and it's going to Eric Faith. He uh, he looked like he might have died against UConn after that hit that he took. Um, we weren't sure when we were going to see him again. Uh, he came off the ice really slow. We got no updates on him. He said psych, and he played really well today in his first game back. Uh, he, like I said, he was an integral part of that big, uh, effort towards the end of the game with Providence really pouring it on. I think he had a dive at the puck at the last couple seconds to finally ice the game out. Um, and also he was 10 for 14 from the faceoff dot. So coming back to a team that's struggling in the faceoffs, he comes and makes his mark. So fair play to him. Um, and he said, psycho, we, we didn't know if he'd have another game this season. He says, Nope, I'm coming back and I'm going to be better. So uh fair play to him and and good job tonight for sure yeah he came out of absolutely nowhere you know what I mean like it was almost like one of those cases where it's like you're in like a like like you're watching like WWE or whatever like that and like Mm -hmm. you saw like three episodes beforehand somebody got like put like in like a car crash and you're like oh no their career's over and then like all of a sudden their music starts playing and they come walking (laughs) out on stage and like I'm back like that was exactly what happened god that Eric Faith music (laughs) yeah exactly by god it's faith (laughs) So cool to see. And yeah, it wasn't even like a case of like, oh yeah, no, like he's back. We have another warm body to play again. Like he said, screw it. Coming back with a vengeance. He played hard. 
still, as usual, I don't think he's the best offensively, but that's not his game. You know what I mean? I feel like he did everything else very, very well. Really killed him in the faceoff dot, was playing physical, playing solid defensively. And like you said, that last minute where he was out there, there there's part of me that's like, whoa, what? Because like, I noticed he was playing pretty well during the game, but like, I... I don't know. I just still feel like there's other guys that, that usually will go out there in those, you know, maybe it's just, I feel like Carby where I'm like, I have trust in certain players and I want them out there. Carby clearly is trusting of Eric faith. And that's mm-hmm. why he was out there. And you know what? He showed why I think it was, it was the right decision because he was out there. You know, I feel like our awards are kind of playing off each other, but he was out there with Ryan doing their thing kind of back to back, just going after that puck, like absolute madmen. So yeah, it was just, you know, our, our words are kind of similar, but I think they both, you know, kind of summed up the theme of the whole game because it was just one of those really grinded out, kind of gutted out type wins, which you always need one of those every now and then, especially when the shots aren't going to be in your favor. But we got we got we, we got the W anyway, which is all that matters. Yeah. And uh, earlier this season, we kind of got on not just him, but basically everybody on the team not named Taylor McCarr for not totally sticking up for their teammates. Yep. And after the final whistle tonight, Faith really got into it with a couple of Providence guys. Uh, you don't really see this often, but he drew a penalty after the final whistle. Uh, he, he's credited with a cross-checking penalty at 20 minutes in the third period. So um, he showed more like fight and grit, I guess, than we've seen from him all season, which was uh, refreshing, I guess, to say Typical the Typical refs making it all about themselves again, just feeling the need to call a penalty in the game. What, are we going to start off on a penalty kill next game? Like, what, yeah. what's, what's the <laughs> point? You know what I mean? Like, I get you got to, you know, continue to, you know, call penalties or whatever, do your job, but it's like, what? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like is it like a, just a symbolic penalty? Like, what, does he have to sit in the box for two minutes while the team celebrates the win in the locker room? <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? But yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, I just feel like the team as a whole was kind of, you know, showing a bit more fight, you know, a bit more spirit, you know, just we we we, we might have been getting outplayed at points, but it, the team didn't really look defeated. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there were there were times this season where we're getting just absolutely walloped skill wise, you know, like we were just getting out energied, if that's even a verb, I have no idea. But like, you get the idea, just we're getting completely outclassed on the ice and Sometimes I feel like the player's body language was looking a little bit defeated. They were looking a little bit, you know, down in the dumps and, you know, they needed something to kind of lift them up. And I feel like this game, it might've been because we were out to an early two, nothing lead that kind of helped out our case. Well, not really an early two, nothing lead, but you get the idea. We're at two, nothing lead. And the other team, you know, Providence was trying to claw their way back into it, but it might've just been because like, we still had the lead, you know, the guys were still kind of upbeat about it. They were like, Hey, we're not in the, in the crapper yet, but I think it was really, really solid that, uh, you know, we never really fell behind and, you know, our body language didn't really get the best of us. And we always kind of were looking forward and, you know, kept playing smart the rest of the game, which was just really encouraging to see because I don't think we saw that the rest of the season. Yeah. And I, I really hope this can remind the team uh, like what can happen when you're playing at that level. Cause I'm, I'm just looking through um, the pairwise right now, just trying to find something, but uh, it's the team's first win over uh an opponent who's not uh bottom 40 in the pairwise since the friendship four against umass lowell wow so it's the first win against an actually like even like somewhat decent opponent since literally november which is kind of crazy so i I hope i hope this just kind of reminds them of that feeling and kind of leaves them wanting more um 
definitely didn't play amazingly, but like we said, got the bounces and ended up getting the job done. So um, a bit of an easier opponent coming up in against Vermont. So um, I'm hoping they could take this and run with it and, and feel how good that felt and just keep going. Yeah, I mean, that's th- this is kind of the encouraging part. I don't want to look forward too much yet. We have all the preview episodes in the world to, to look at the, the schedule going forward. But this this was, you know, these past couple of games were the ones that really scared me. Like, I I was kind of hoping for the W against New Hampshire, admittedly. I feel like we all were. I feel like any sane, rational human would have. But, like, we knew that UConn was going to be a tough series. I think we should have got one win out of that. The Lowell game... We, we, we could have, that was a 50, 50 game. We could have got a win out of that one too. Providence. This is a good win right here. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're a solid team as much as their, you know, rankings and stuff, because they've been on a pretty bad streak, whatever that shows, that's still a good win against a good team that beat us twice earlier in the year. You know what I mean? That's solid. We got Vermont, man. Like granted UNH, you know, hopefully that was just a blip. You know what I mean? I don't want to yeah. use that as the barometer of games against lower opponents going forward, but I think we can make some some noise against Vermont. They've looked very decent recently, but I think we, we finally jumped them in the standings with that. Exactly, win. like we're going to be looking pretty solid in the standings. You know, looking no, it's, uh, not well, solid. But. I'm saying, well, against like compared to them, you know yes. what I mean. I'm just yes. saying, yeah. I, believe me, there is a completely different conversation <laughs> to be had in regards of all of hockey East. But <laughs> against Vermont, we're looking okay. Like against BC. I, I think there's a possibility there. You know what I mean? If we get the job done against Vermont, that'll be a three-game winning streak that we're riding, and we'll, we'll be hot. You know what I mean? The boys will be buzzing. There'll be some confidence in there. I think we can make some noise against BC. Northeastern's a decent team. You just never know. And then we play Maine. Granted, Maine has had some upset potential. I'm pretty sure Vermont has too. So I'm not trying to completely derail my, my thought process here, but this year, I mean, this year's nothing, nothing is a cakewalk, but the, exactly. it's more, much more favorable than say yeah. like Lowell, Merrimack, BU yeah. type schedule. Yeah, no, like at this point, BU, Lord help me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if we, if, I feel like if anybody plays BU at this point, it's Lord help them. But, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you never know what's going to happen at this point. But I think this, this could be the start of something. You know what I mean? Like we have a tangible win here. We can focus on it. We can learn and grow. You know, the team's not going to feel like, damn, another L. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we're just the, – the something can shift here. You know, the energy has shifted, as Jalen Brown said, and they started that, like, 25-game <laughs> winning streak. Who the hell knows, man? You know, all it takes is a hot goalie and some goal support. And mm-hmm. I we got that this game. We can get that in games going forward. So, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling a bit more confident now, which is good. Yeah, and I will say it feels damn good to have a, a happy podcast episode for once. It's been a little bit for us too. So yeah, I don't know if you guys can tell. I'm a little bit uh, a little more energetic this time around. I've been a little a uh, little upset doing the podcast for the past couple of weeks now, but yeah, we're back, as, as the cool kids say. Yeah, as you might guess it, uh it, it gets a little bit taxing. I mean, when we started last year, it's all fun with how good the team was and being ranked and stuff. It can get a little tough at this point, but uh kind of makes this that more rewarding when we get a win it feels so good to i wish i was at the game tonight <laughs> yeah I yeah wish i was there that's a whole nother conversation providence charging 40 dollars minimum to get in which is yeah ridiculous but um nonetheless positive vibes tonight looking to looking to take this forward um and yeah just good for the boys to get a win feels great so thank you guys for listening uh if you still are we really appreciate you go umass Go UMass. Take care, everybody. And we got a W tonight for Elliot McDermott's birthday. Happy birthday, pal. Let's go.